Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I have something interesting for you this morning, something very, very different. You'll notice there's even a chair here. Because this morning we're going to be doing something a little different. We're going to be telling stories. But before I get there, what I'd like to do is just do a brief sort of recap and ask you the question. We've been on a series for a few weeks now. We're actually on a bit of a journey as a spiritual family. Who can tell me what that journey is and what it's about? I must tell you this is always the most encouraging part of my week. Where you really feel that you're making an impact and a difference. Paul? That's right, reviving the message of the gospel. We are really looking at rediscovering the gospel. Reviving is very close, so we'll go with that. We're rediscovering this message of the gospel. It's something that I think so often we're so familiar with, the idea of the gospel, what is the gospel. We kind of condense it to Jesus died for our sins. Uh, And that's a part of the message, but it's not the whole message because the gospel doesn't begin in Matthew. It begins right at the beginning of Genesis. There's a a comedian called um, Mike Jr., who says, you know, he wasn't a believer. Once upon a time, a friend gave him a Bible, and he began reading this Bible from the beginning. And, uh, you know, it was quite an interesting story, a lot of names, a lot of places. Some of it was a bit boring. But then he came to this page where it said New Testament, and after that it started getting really interesting because this, this guy called Matthew started telling the story about a man called Jesus who loved us so much that he came and died for our sins. And he was like, wow, this guy really loves me so much. He died for me. And then he went on to read Mark, and he was blown away. He said, wow, he did it again. You'll catch that one later, folks. You'll catch that one later. So we're on a journey of rediscovering the gospel. Why? Acts chapter 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Last week, Siobhan did a really fantastic job explaining to us how the death and resurrection of Christ set us free from the power or the dominion of sin and death. It was more than just about forgiveness. The the, the death and the resurrection from the cross was about setting us free from the power that had dominion over us, giving us the freedom to come under the dominion and the lordship of Jesus. Now today I want to, as I said, do something a little different. I want to tell you three stories, story time. Uh, after which I'll tuck you in and pat you on the bed, on the head. And uh, listen, don't think because don't think you got through one story that it's time for sleeping, okay? We went to Bethel last night. It took two hours just to get out of the place. I only got to bed at, at half past 12 last night. So listen, I forgive you when you yawn through my sermons, okay? Please forgive me if I yawn through my sermon. It's been a rough night. But I want to tell you three stories, all of which in some way pertain to this wonderful message of the gospel that you and I have received and have the privilege of walking in. And uh, I just want you to sit and listen. And as I tell these stories and draw draw some lessons out of them, all of them have to do with ships. So there is a common denominator, and we're going to look at three different things. And here's the first story. Are you ready, children? You ready for your stories? The first one is a story called Jane's Cruise. Now, I need to tell you that the first two stories are obviously fictitious, but the third one is a true story. 
Nonetheless, let me tell you about Jane's cruise. There was a lady named Jane who came across a brochure of a luxury cruise ship. She spoke to some of her friends about it, and one had actually been on that exact cruise ship. She shared with her the wonderful news about what life was like on the cruise. All the wonderful food, the entertainment, the marvelous places that they visited, the gentle rocking of the ship on the ocean at night, the crisp, clean smell of the sea air and the sound of the seagulls and the splashing waves. Every now and then, there were even boisterous dolphins that would come and swim just off the bow. It sounded wonderful to Jane. Doesn't that sound wonderful to you too? You see, Jane came from a working class family. Jane was, in fact, a cleaner in the home of a very wealthy aristocrat. And while she was often exposed to luxuries and comfort in the home that she cleaned, she knew full well that they weren't hers to partake of. That sort of thing wasn't for Jane. But one day, the man that she worked for, Mr. Smith, came into his living room. And as he came into his living room, he saw Jane staring out the window, lost in a daydream. It took three calls of her name to rouse her from this daydream and bring her back to reality. Of course, Jane was embarrassed. She apologized profusely and immediately wanted to get on with her work again. But Mr. Smith was a gracious man, and he didn't mind. In fact, he was rather curious as to what on earth had captivated Jane's attention so deeply. Jane went on to tell Mr. Smith about the brochure that she'd discovered about the cruise and all the wonderful stories that she'd heard from her friend. She said that every time she thought about it, she would drift off into this daydream about what it must be like to go on a cruise. Sounds magical, replied Mr. Smith. And that very week, he went out and bought her a ticket. When the time came for Jane to, grow, to go on the cruise, she packed two suitcases, one with her clothes and all, all, the, all the essentials that she would need, and another small satchel with some cucumber sandwiches, some cheese, and a small bottle of the best wine she could afford. And off Jane went. And this cruise, folks, was the stuff of dreams. Long walks on the deck, the fresh sea air, the beautiful sights, the wonderful places, the interesting people... And all the places, as I say, she got to meander through as she stopped. The cruise ship docked finally after the ten days back in Portsmouth. And the captain of the ship took up his position at the VIP gangway to thank all the disembarking dignitaries and important guests. Jane made her way towards it. The captain noticed her and said, Good afternoon, madam. Did you enjoy the cruise? Oh, yes, sir, replied Jane. Thank you ever so much. I shall never forget it. Oh, I'm delighted to hear that, ma'am, said the captain. If you don't mind, why is it I've never seen you in any of the, the, the dining halls while I was making my rounds? Oh, I'm afraid I don't have money for those kinds of luxuries, sir. My place on this cruise was a very generous gift, and it would have been uncon unconscionable to have asked for more on top of that. As you can, uh, can, uh, can hear, she's very confused about where she's actually from. 
The captain got a puzzled look on his face. One might even say there was a glint of suspicion in his eye. Could I see your ticket again, please, madam? Jane felt this wave of fear rushing over her. She knew she didn't really belong in these kinds of places. She rummaged through her bag. She could hear the captain clearing his throat. <clears throat> her mind boggled as to why on earth he wanted to see her ticket again, now upon disembarking. Here, here you go, sir, said Jane politely as she, as she presented the captain with her ticket. Hmm, mumbled the, muttered the captain as he looked at it, with a perplexed look on his face. But madam, he said, this is a premium ticket. That means that all meals, beverages, activities, and gratuities were all included. Oh, well, never mind, said Jane. It was all more than I deserved anyway. Many believers today are like Jane. We have a little appreciation of how loved we truly are of God and a very shallow understanding of everything that has been given to us in the wonderful gift of His salvation. The word that is used in the Greek New Testament for salvation is the word sozo. It is a Greek word. And it means, I actually looked up a definition here, it says that sozo is a Greek word which is usually translated in the Bible as to save, and it's also tied to salvation. It means much more than simply being forgiven and someday going to heaven. It refers to total healing, total freedom, total wholeness in the spirit, soul, and body. Total healing, total freedom, total wholeness. And this is why the gospel, folks, is good news. Jane had a wonderful experience that she could share with her friends. She could tell them about the cruise she went on, the beautiful room she stayed in, the decks, the people, the places... But how much more would she have had to share if she understood and properly partook of everything that had been fully paid for? Likewise with you and me. Jane's ability to tell others the full story of the wonders of the cruise was impeded by her limited experience of it. Likewise, our ability to share the good news of Jesus and His kingdom is impeded by our limited experience thereof. I want to say to you this morning, folks, you ain't seen nothing yet, as the saying goes. We have tasted salvation, and there is forgiveness and mercy, and praise God for everything He has done, but God's not finished. I want to say to you today, don't just settle for reading the brochure. The brochure is good. Don't stay in your safe little cabin of your limited experience. Healing, deliverance, forgiveness, restoration, spiritual transformation are all on offer and have been paid for in full. They belong to you. This is the way the Apostle Peter put it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 3-4. to 4. He says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge, now that word there, knowledge, another beautiful Greek word called epignosis. Are we okay? What's the matter, Siobhan? 
Did I misreference that? Yes, it's 2 Peter 1, not 1 Peter 2. My apologies. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 to 4. Through the knowledge, the word epignosis for knowledge is there. It's not head knowledge, it's an experiential knowledge. Who called us by his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them we may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. God has called us to be partakers, to come into the dining halls, to enjoy the activities, to taste and sample the wonderful delicacies of His kingdom for our, joy, for our, for our healing, for our whole, holistic well-being, and also for our joy and for our pleasure. The moral of the first story that I've read to you today is simply this. The more you have, the more you have to share. The more you have of God, the more you have to share. And folks, there is so much more. The more revelation you have, the more experience you have, the more you can benefit and share that with others. Philippians 3, 12 to 14 Paul writes, I'm not saying that I have this all together in terms of his Christian walk and what he has attained, that I have made it, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong, by no means do I count myself an expert in all this, but I've got my eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off, I'm running, and I'm not turning back. I want to say to you today, don't settle for where you are in your journey of faith and in your current experience of salvation. As you press into God, you will find that what He does in your life will begin to flow out of you into the lives of others as natural evangelism. Because you will begin to share out of the abundance of what you carry And that is the essence, the very beginning, the true depth meaning of what evangelion, evangelism, sharing the good news is. I have had a wonderful experience. I have met somebody, and he has changed everything. And this is what he has done for me. Ready for another story? This story is about, it's called Harold's Cruise. Harold opened his eyes. The disappointment of his tiny shared cabin couldn't quell his excitement. He was with his friends, the same ones that he'd signed up for the cruise with. He couldn't believe his luck. It was almost too good to be true. The cruise company must have been really desperate for guests, as he and his friends didn't even have to pay a cent. All the meals were included in the package. Sounds like this guy's onto something, wouldn't you say? Oh, the places they'd see, the experiences they would share. Harold was determined to suck the marrow out of every bit of this wonderful adventure. As the the lads roused themselves from their bunks and put on their costumes and t-shirts and flip-flops, they readied themselves for a walk around the deck before breakfast. In single file, they marched through the corridors, giggling with excitement like a bunch of schoolgirls at a tea party. They made their way up the last flight and onto the deck 
And as they did, the warmth of the sunlight was on their faces. The crispness of the sea air made them all breathe in a deep breath and heave out a sigh of satisfaction. This was the life. As Harold stood there, eyes closed, arms outstretched, he was suddenly jolted from this moment of bliss by a loud and angry shout. Oi! said a voice. What do you think this is? A Copacabana? Harold's opened his eyes and could not believe what he saw. No deck chairs, no, lo- no lounges, no holiday makers in bright, vibrant clothing, no waiters, no shuffleboard, no buffet breakfast. No, no. The tranquility of the moment was shattered, replaced by the realization that Harold was, in fact, not on some holiday cruise. Harold was on a Navy vessel, the HMS Church of Christ, the greatest and most formidable vessel ever created. As he looked around at the men dressed in white, mopping, cleaning, bustling about, someone handed him a brush and said, Oi, better get changed and start scrubbing, mate. The captain sees you dressed like that, he'll throw you overboard, he will. There are blessings that our salvation bestows on us. That's the point of story number one. But there are things that our salvation requires of us. And that's the essence of story number two. Too many believers today have bought into a gospel message that revolves solely around our own comfort and our own pleasure. As though God is a genie in a bottle and if I rub things just right... I can make him do exactly what I wish. While our, godly, our God truly has blessed us more abundantly than we can ever imagine, with blessings greater than, we, than our appetites could even fathom, we often lose sight of the purpose for his blessings in the big scheme of things. Mark sixteen fifteen tells us this. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach this good news to every creature. In other words, I want to bless you, and I'm going to give you new life and heal you and make your life whole. Why? So that you can share this wonderful gift that you have received with those around you. Ladies and gentlemen, these are our captain's orders. We are on a Navy vessel, if you like, the HMS Church of Christ. We're a part of this great body of this wonderful organism spanning the globe. Some of us are moppers. Some of us are in the mess hall cleaning tables and stirring pots. Some of us are hoisting flags. Some of us are lookouts. Some of us steer the vessel. Some of us stoke the fires. Everybody has their role. Everybody has something to contribute. But it's not just a luxury cruise. There is work to be done. 2 Timothy 2, verse 4, Paul writes to this beloved spiritual son of his and says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You see, this is what lordship is all about. This is what it means to come into a kingdom. It means that my life now belongs to the will of a king. He is my lord. He is my captain. 
Oh, Captain, my Captain. Jesus Christ, what is it you will for me to do today? The moral of the second story is this. As citizens of God's kingdom, we are engaged in a warfare. Not for, the te- not for territory, not for prestige, but for the souls of men and women. And though we are in enemy territory, we have been given all we need for victory. What kind of battle is it where victory is assured? Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, writes Paul, of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The simple message of the gospel contains within it the very power of God. The simple message of what God has done in you, what Jesus has done in your life and for you through His death, burial, and resurrection contains within it the very power of God that can unlock salvation in somebody else's life. You carry that power within you. And I want to say to you this morning, wield it well. Wield it deliberately. Wield it consciously. Amen? Now for the third story. And this one is actually a true story. I got this story off a website called creativebiblestudy.com, just so that you're aware this is, that's where I found it. And I'll read to you what it says. The sinking of the Titanic has been one of the most talked about tragedies in the past 100, year, 100 years plus. And yet, how many of us have heard the name John Harper? Anybody heard of John Harper? All right. He was a young widower at the age of 39 who set sail on the Titanic along with his six-year-old daughter, Annie, nicknamed Nana, and his sister, Jessie W. Leitch. He had been invited to once again cross the Atlantic Ocean to preach at, at Moody Church in Chicago, Illinois. Answering, oh, sorry, after answering God's call to preach at age 17, this young Scottish pastor shared God's love wherever he went, including on board the Titanic. On that night of April 14, 1912, as women and children were being herded into the 20 lifeboats after the iceberg had pierced the side of the Titanic, John Harper placed his little girl in number 11, making sure that he and his sister were safe. Then he raised his voice above the threatening waters to anyone who would listen as he shared the gospel from Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. In those last hours, as the ship continued sinking, John shared the hope found in Jesus to as many as would listen and prayed with those who would receive. Eventually, he found himself plunged into the frigid waters. But even then, he grabbed hold of a piece of floating debris and continued raising his voice above the waters to share Jesus with those perishing. Four years later, when the survivors of the Titanic gathered in Canada to share their experiences, one man stood and shared that he had heard the voice above the waters. He too had been in the icy waters, as John Harper floated close enough to him to share the gospel not once, but twice. 
and he became John Harper's last convert. Not only did Pastor Harper share the life-giving gospel, he also gave his life vest away so another could live. John Harper may have drowned in those icy waters over a hundred years ago, but he did not perish. And because of his voice above the waters, others heard the gospel, and they too were saved. John's little girl and his sister survived and, are among those, and were among those rescued by the Carpathia. A group from Moody Church traveled to New York and made sure that their needs were met and that they could return to Scotland. Annie grew up, married a young pastor, and she went on to be the longest living Scottish Titanic survivor, dying in 1986. Over 100 years have passed, and John Harper's first church he pastored, now known as Harper Church Glasgow, still proclaims the truth John passionately shared that night. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. As inspiring as John Harper's last hours are, it was his daily life following Jesus that led to his strength of faith to face that night. We don't have to be thrown into frigid waters or stand on the deck of a sinking ship to share the gospel and make a difference in people's lives. Each and every day, God gives us this privilege, this opportunity. People are all around us holding on to scraps of life's debris, looking for hope and salvation. Let's raise our voices above the waters and share Jesus now and every day. In this story, we see a man who, given the circumstances, could be forgiven to try and do all he could to save his own life. Yet even as he faced his own demise, his thoughts were for those perishing around him. Dear friends, you and I live in a world where the things that people have their hope and faith in are proving to be titanic failures. Banks and economies are crashing. Relationships are strained. Governments are failing. And confusion, ideological confusion, reigns. Yet you and I carry for the perishing and the lost good news. There is hope that transcends the stock market. There is hope that transcends your investments or the collapse thereof, the government or the country you find yourself in. Again, the words of Jesus come to us through Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. I'll read from Eugene Peterson's version, the message. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave this charge. God authorized and, commissioned, and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this, day after day, right up to the end of the age. The moral of this third story, folks, in his own hour of need, John Harper considered the eternal destiny of the souls around him. We ought to be as gripped by the realities of the eternal destiny of those around us as John Harper was. 
For we carry within us the great determining factor, Jesus Christ and the seal of His blessed Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus Christ is the determining factor. He makes the difference as to where and how we will spend eternity with God or apart from Him. You may say to me, how can a good God send those He claims to love to hell? I want to say to you today, God doesn't send anybody to hell. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die to pay the price so that nobody would have to go there lest they choose to. Acts 1 verse 8. As Jesus was leaving His disciples, He said this, You will receive power, in other words, divine enablement, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Would you say with me today, I am the witness. My charge to you, family of God, this morning is threefold. Number one, enjoy to the full the salvation that Jesus Christ has come to give you. Don't stop short. Don't remain in an attitude of bondage or under the power of of depression or of anything that He has not come to give you or that He has set you free from. Don't settle for what you have thinking, well, this is all it is. I'm not worthy of more. Press into God. There is so much more. Life, love, grace that God has to offer you to bring you to a place of strength, provision, healing, restoration of your relationships, of your soul, of the wounded parts of your heart. Go on to enjoy the fullness of your salvation. Number two, realize that that wonderful salvation is not just for yourself. It's not just so that you can be comfortable and have a happy life. There is far more to it than just you. We must remember that the whole entire world, except for one very small exclusion, is made up of others. Those are the ones God has called us to live for. And number three, you can be a voice above the waters of the turmoil of this world, telling the wondrous hope that is in Christ Jesus to those around you. Go and be that voice that says God loves you. You are valued and you are precious. You are loved of God. Would you stand with me this morning? We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.